0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information.
1: Powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Great evening, Drawing Board Nation. This is your host and founder, Andre Ebron of the Drawing Board Podcast, where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. And I promise you every week to not disappoint with who we have on the show. And tonight is no different. We have an awesome guest where we're going to dive into the topic of mental health, but specifically as it relates to our youth, our young people, our teens, our children. How can we Develop the right strategies to properly serve our children so they can go on and lead healthy lives of balanced emotionally and socially. And tonight I have on the show, Miss Keisha Jackson. How you doing?
0: I'm doing good. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. It was, it's my pleasure. So I, I was following your work. I was looking at what you were doing with Caleb's kids and I said, man, I got to have Keisha on the show. I didn't know you. This is our first time meeting, mm-hmm. uh, but I felt so comfortable. Uh, Because when I was reading the content of what you were sharing and just your personality, I was like, listen, I know she's competent. I can tell that she's passionate. She's motivated. And uh, anybody that's working diligently for kids, I have to have on the show. So, again, thank you for being my guest.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me again.
1: Oh, yeah, no problem. So let me tell you about Keisha. Keisha Jackson is the founder and executive director of Caleb's Kids, a nonprofit organization that provides outreach to youth, ages, to youth grades 6 through 12 around mental health awareness, suicide prevention, resiliency, coping skills, and self-esteem. Under her leadership, Caleb's Kids has provided scholarships to high school seniors, sponsored holiday care and wellness benefits for surviving families of suicide loss, and has provided life-changing outreach materials and workshops to thousands, let me say that again, to thousands of, of Detroit area youth and parents. Keisha, I I told you Keisha is passionate about mental health education, awareness, and advocacy. Can we stop there for a second and actually address that? Mm -hmm. So mental health education, awareness, and advocacy. What, What is the delineation between the three of those?
0: Yeah, so when we talk about mental health education, it's more so educating others on what mental illness is, what mental health disorders are, but also reminding everyone that we all have mental health and maintaining positive mental health is something that we all need to do. And um, when we talk about mental health advocacy, a big part of what I do also is ensuring that behind the scenes, laws are getting the proper support that they need for mental health care um, or mental health education. So I've gone to the state capitol several times to really advocate for different house bills that have come down the pipeline, whether it's advocating for a mental health curriculum in the classroom or advocating for a different mental health um recognition on the back end from different like healthcare providers. Also, when we look at um, mental health awareness, that's just providing information, resources to everyone, to the general public, to schools, to students, to parents, to teachers around what is mental health, what is mental illness, and what are some tools that we can use in our everyday lives to ensure that we're maintaining positive mental health and that we're also getting help when we need to get help.
1: Right. So could you give me some like demarcations on what does positive mental health actually look like? What is the what is the picture of positive mental health?
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because when I always say positive mental health, we also have to recognize your physical health. Health. Um. So, physical health and mental health should be approached hand in hand. So, physical health—you may exercise, you may watch what you eat, you may ensure that you get a proper amount of sleep at night. That also goes hand in hand with your mental health. So, ensuring that you're doing those—I call them exercises of the mind—to maintain um, your. Everyday wellness. So it could be journaling, it could be exercising, it could be ensuring you're sleeping, it could be ensuring you're eating the proper foods, ensuring that you are around the proper people, ensuring that you are keeping negativity out of your life. So there's multiple things that impact. The way you may look and feel and think about yourself. And so ensuring that you are embarking on things that bring out the best version of yourself.
1: So it is uh, your entire lifestyle impacts your mental health.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I like like
1: that. So now I always give out challenges. If you don't have one already, (laughs) if you don't have this somewhere already, like um, and you're coaching, right? Are you coaching people?
0: Not necessarily coaching is okay. more so, um, educating on preventative measures. Okay. But also educating on, um, coping mechanisms and educating on more so a holistic approach to mental health. So in the work that we do, we do work with parents as well as youth. So we do work around the mental health aspect, bullying, social media, anger management, um, other coping skills such as yoga and hip-hop Zumba. So pretty much everything whole that can impact how you may feel about yourself.
1: Oh, that's good. So you're talking about like these mindfulness, you know, activities yes. of checking your breathing, mm-hmm. make sure. Because like breathing impacts so much. Like people, that's one of the things that people don't tend to pay attention to. Uh, I've, I've One of my family members, and I noticed it just because I'm attentive to what's happening, like they breathe and then they stop breathing. And like they hold their breath for a while, mm-hmm. and then they start breathing again, and like they didn't realize that this is something that they do, mm-hmm. but I was like, "Can you breathe like that that scares <laughs> me like like, take another breath, please, you know, like you're not breathing right, and uh you know, as children are growing uh and i re- I have two children of my own, one of the things that you want to ensure that they're doing in their sleep is that they are breathing yes and so right now we're going to go ahead and do a mindfulness exercise you know to go ahead and breathe would you like to lead us in it okay okay all right let's let's go ahead and do it i'm ready i need you to participate if you're listening participate in this breathing exercise if you're driving please just wait till you get home
0: all right all right or you can breathe while you're driving too just don't close your eyes
1: all right just don't close your eyes
0: so if you are at home and listening to us i'll have you close your eyes and I want you to sit up straight, put your hands on your knees. And I want you to breathe in for five counts and I want them to be slow counts. So I'll count with you. Breathe in, one, two, three, four, five, hold. And breathe out, one, two three, four, five. And breathe in, one, two, three, four, five. Hold and breathe out, one, two, three, four, five.
1: All right. Yeah. So you should feel nice and tranquil and calm and serene. And that is the power of deep breathing and mindfulness exercises. Uh, one of the things we do at my school is we actually use a program called Calm Classroom, right? Mm-hmm. And that goes to mindfulness. And we even have it now that it's being student led where students are starting to take uh, responsibility for their own breathing at school. Nice. So, yeah. And I know. Listen, so. That is one of the things that when you broke it down for me, like the difference between, uh, you know, mental health awareness, when you broke it down between advocacy and mental health education. I think that's one of those misnomers or misconceptions or just lack of an uh, just ignorance about like what mental health looks like mm-hmm. and what does a perfect picture of mental health look like. I mean, I, I'm sure it ebbs and flows from day to day, mm-hmm. depending on what you encounter. Right.
0: It does. And it's interesting that you mentioned, like, what is the mental health look like? So one of the workshops that we do with our youth, as well as with our parents, is called Faces of Me. OK. Because we want to normalize what mental health looks like and we want to ensure that the image that's out there in the public light does not add to the stigma that that we already have with mental health. Okay. So we open up our workshops with an activity of famous people or entertainers that our youth lo- may look up to. And I know that these entertainers have had some issues with mental health or have had some struggles um, in their mental health journey. But in most cases, the youth don't know that. They see that this person is, Is famous, maybe has a lot of money, maybe has a lot of friends and that they're well known, but they also don't know the things that they have done with their mental health to ensure that they can live and thrive and still be that famous person. So that really hits home to the youth and it really shows them that, you know, people struggle with their mental health that look like you and I. And that, um the face of mental health isn't someone who is always angry isn't someone who is always neglected or or someone who is on a different part of society is someone and people who are are normal and people who look like them and us and just every day
1: why Why do you think there's such a stigma surrounding mental health
0: It's such a stigma surrounding mental health is because one people don't talk about it much okay. but two, especially in our community. You know, a lot of the focus that we have had when we have had things that are different than the norm, you know, we talk about it at church, we pray about it, and then that's it. Another thing, too, with that is growing up, you know, in our households, everything stayed in the household. So if there were things going on in the household that you may have family members that maybe suffered from a mental health disorder or were different, you didn't talk about it outside the home. So it's almost this kind of mystery, I would say, on what mental health is and what mental health should look like because we were told not to talk about it and we really didn't talk about it. So we really haven't had experience with what it looks like and how normal having a mental health disorder is.
1: Right. So it's almost like the the silence makes it taboo, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And it is really the perspective of what we fear others may say or believe yes. And, and that that serves no one, right? That that doesn't benefit anyone nope. uh, because every family that I know, every person I know has challenges, has struggles, has things that they've overcome, have things that they're still dealing with. But the more vocal that they are about it well, to the right people mm-hmm. uh, who are able to give them strategies to help, like that's important. Like Caleb's kids, like you guys are helping thousands of people, uh, you know understand what it requires for a healthy picture mm-hmm. uh, as it relates to the, their their socialization and their emotional uh, state of being. Now, let me tell them some more about you, though. So it says that you have participated in numerous panel discussions, radio interviews, online and written publications advocating for youth mental health, and is a 2018 Walker's Legacy Power 15 recipient and a 2019 National Alliance uh, on Mental Illness Michigan Administrator of the Year nominee. Congratulations. Thank
0: you. That means you're
1: out here putting in work.
0: <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, <laughs> you're putting in
1: work. And so uh you've always, you've always had a strong passion for philanthropy and helping others. Uh, but bring me to... uh Like where does your journey start with empowering uh, mental health for youth and how did this work become such a conviction for you?
0: Yeah. So I've always been interested in helping youth. As you mentioned before, a lot of my work in the community involved either volunteering with youth programs or donating to youth programs. I've donated to a lot of programs, um, through the Donors Choose program for okay. like Detroit public school students. Um, even when I lived out of state. So I've lived in Georgia, I've lived in Ohio, but I always managed to ensure that I'm giving back to the youth here in my community in Detroit. But one of the most pivotal moments for me that really increase my awareness and increase I would say my activism in ensuring that I do more in the community around mental health and suicide prevention was losing my younger brother to suicide. So I lost my younger brother to suicide. It will actually be four years next week on November the tenth or a week and a half from now on November the tenth. And he was twenty two when it happened. So after he passed away, I really didn't know really what went on in the psyche behind someone's decision to end their life. So I just really engulfed myself in all things mental health. I read a bunch of books, always read a bunch of journals, a bunch of articles, talked to um, my friends who were in the mental health profession just so that I could learn more about it. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I realized how big of an issue um, suicide was amongst our youth population. So suicide is the second leading cause of death for youth ages 10 to 24. And in doing so, realizing that some of the mental illness or mental health disorders that may lead someone to um, considering end their, ending their life. Um, so it really was the conviction of losing my brother and wanting to, one, ensure no other family had to feel that type of pain, but also ensuring that I do my part to save our youth because there are so many options out here. You don't have to end your life. You can work through whatever your pain is, whatever is hurting you, whatever is prompting you to want to take such a drastic drastic action um because suicide is is it's fatal like it's you can't come back from that right
1: so thank you for sharing that and of course my condolences to you thank you but i applaud you for repurposing that pain right and so when it comes to grief and loss And you know that process uh, You took on the mantle of Saying I'm going to do something different about mm-hmm. this And empower my community So no one has, else has to feel that I feel like it's a prime moment that if Someone else may want to You know get on the journey and walk with you And support your vision your goals and your Dreams or someone who's listening Who also needs to repurpose that pain uh, Because there aren't many people There are people who might be able to Empathize but have no idea unless it has happened to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I'm real. I always want to give deference and respect to say that I'll stand with you. I may not understand what that feels like, but when you need to process, I'll be here. And so that is for some, you know, young people that are listening uh, who may have friends that have shared information with you and you have shared it with someone else um, to to prevent that suicide from occurring. At the time that you share the information, that relationship may hit a little rocky place, Mm -hmm. but I want to tell you that it takes a lot of bravery and courage to stand up for someone else. So tell us, how can we support and join the movement of Caleb's Kids? How can people get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, so you can visit our website at calebskids.org. And so that's spelled C-A-L-E-B. K-I-D-S, kids, dot org. We also are on Facebook under Caleb's Kids, Instagram under Caleb's Kids, as well as Twitter under Caleb's Kids. And all of our contact information is on all of those sites, our phone number, our email address. They're on all of those sites.
1: All right. So here's here's one of the things that I have a question now. Uh, let's talk specifically about uh, the parents mm-hmm. and what role uh, does a parent play as it relates to a child's mental health. Mm-hmm. Like talk to me about that because I know when we talk about like environment, when we talk about access to you know quality health care, when we're talking about physicality and diet and all of those things, it's so much about a child's life, that the parent dictates. So talk, what are some of the things that you can share with parents uh, so that we can get that, get our children on the right path or connect them to the right resource?
0: Yeah. So we do outreach with parents as well. So we have our workshops with parents. Our workshop is, well, workshops are centered around just general mental health education. I always call it an intro to mental health okay. because in most cases, our parents haven't experienced either diagnosed mental health themselves or haven't been in an environment where, The mental health is in a conversation or mental health is conversational. So it's almost like an intro to mental health course where we're educating on the different signs of various mental health disorders. We review like the top mental health, mental health disorders in youth, but also providing resources of where they can go to get help if they feel like their child may be exhibiting some of the symptoms of a mental health disorder. I also think it's very important that we stress with our parents to listen to your children's teacher, listen to your children's social workers, principals, your social worker's principal school staff are with our youth the majority of the day so they may be exhibiting things at school that they're not exhibiting at home so it's having that conversations with that school staff and then doubling back to your youth to really understand What's going on? So so not yelling at them, not fussing at them, but asking them, hey, the teacher said you did this or you exhibited this behavior in school. What's going on? Let's let's talk about it. So having that open conversation with their youth and also creating a welcoming environment for their youth to be able to come and talk to them whenever they need something, whenever they feel distressed, whenever they feel trouble is another thing that we stress with our parents as well.
1: Right. So being that I'm a dean that works in the city of Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, some of the things that I hear. So I'm going to kind of role play okay. so you can see, you know, uh, and we'll do like in scene. All right. So I'll hear a kid come and say, you know, uh, I feel depressed. Uh, parent not being able to handle it. Oh, I said I was going to play it out right now, but, <laughs> no, but I'll talk. I'll walk it in scene and scene. right there. OK. <laughs> Look so. Oh, let me hit the little bell. All right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So, so here's here's the thing. Kid says I'm depressed. Uh, parent feels uncomfortable because uh, that's not a dialogue that they're they they're used to having. So a parent may reply, "You depressed about what?" you don't pay any bills in this house, Mm -hmm. you do it, you know, and they go through this litany of responsibilities that aren't children's responsibilities anyway, you know, Uh, but they go, you don't pay any bills in this house, I keep the lights and gas on. And they use that as a moment to vent their frustration of all the things that they have to do to take care of that Mm -hmm. child, but never addressing the issue of the child saying, hey, I feel depressed. Mm -hmm. And so Sometimes they lack the skills. Let Walk me through that conversation. What does that look like? So I'll, I'll be the kid, right? Okay. And so you walk me through. Hey, mom, listen, uh, I'm at school. Things just, you know, are not going well. And I, I feel depressed.
0: So I'm going to end scene here end scene? and walk you through it a little bit. Okay. And I want to press the button. Oh, go ahead. All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to ensure that, I mean, just because someone or your your child brings up, oh, I'm depressed or I'm, some type of mental thing that a parent may not feel comfortable with, it should be just as conversational as if your child said, oh, I'm hungry. Your next thing isn't going to be, oh, why are you hungry? I paid all the bills. The refrigerator is full. You need to find something to eat. No, right. your, next, your next topic or your next sentence is, oh, well, what do you want to eat? I cooked some spaghetti last night. Do you feel like heating some up? Why don't you go have a seat at the table or why don't you go take a plate to your room? Like something like that. So we can go back to the role play.
1: Okay, back to the scene. All right, here we go. That was good, though. So it should be conversation. It should
0: be conversation. And and just
1: as normalized as having a conversation about any other needs that the Mm -hmm. child may Mm have.
0: And I understand it's scary, especially if you don't know, like, what depression is. And you may think that by hearing your youth say that they're depressed, that that's going to make them suicidal. No, depression doesn't make someone suicidal. Those are two different things. Okay. But and, and it could just be that fear of, oh my goodness, my kid is saying this, what do I do? I don't know anything, any any tools, not anything, any tools to really help them. So I'm gonna revert back to why all the reasons I feel they shouldn't be depressed.
1: Absolutely. Uh so here we go. All, all right. right. So what's up Ma? Well I probably won't walk in and say what's up Ma but you know, uh Ma listen. Uh I don't think I want to go to school anymore. Uh you know, I just haven't been feeling myself lately. You know, I just I don't see the use of going to school. I'm not really feeling the teachers and I'll be honest, my just kinda feeling like a little depressed. You know, mm-hmm. I feel depressed. So
0: Well, thank you for, for coming to talk to me about this. Yeah. You know, yeah. what's going on? What's what's making you feel this way?
1: Well, I mean, You know, I know you're doing the best you can and everything like that, but I'm really just, you know, I'm tired of wearing, like, the same sneakers. You know, I want the new shoes like everybody else. Uh, I don't really fit in with my my peers. You know, I don't don't really, like, get down like that. They be on something else. And uh, I'll be honest, man, the teachers at school, I don't really think they care right now. I don't really feel like anybody cares.
0: So when you talk about, like, your peers at school, is someone, like, saying something to you that you don't like or or you just feel like you just don't belong?
1: Well, I mean, you know, they just be capping and stuff and, you know, I mean, they, you know, when I you're not able to get me to the barbershop, stuff like that, they always talk about my, you know, my hairline or they always talking about uh somebody told me I stank the other day. And, I mean, I know I don't stink, but it was just the fact that they, they said that, you know, and I tried not to fight at school, but. Man, it's starting to get tough. So I think I would rather just, you know, I'm late to class and stuff just because I don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. I don't don't really want to be anywhere for real. Like, man, it just feel awkward, you know.
0: Well, Andre, you know, I'm sorry that you feel this way. And I'm so sorry that you're having to go through this. You know, I am doing the best I can. But, you know, I, I can look into some resources to maybe see if there are some programs out here that maybe can help get some different shoes for you. Also... Maybe I can get your uncle to take you to the barbershop every week.
1: Yeah, because unc- he don't know how to fade. Please yeah. don't let uncle cut my
0: hair. No, he can't cut your hair. He, he, right. he ain't, ain't going to give you a Timmy.
1: Yeah, he's going to give me that Timmy. <laughs> I'm telling you, listen, that chili bowl. Yeah. <laughs> but that's cool, Ma. But I- I'll tell you, like I started to go talk to the counselor, except the counselor, like I watch him. And like, everybody but tried to talk about the kids when the counselor come to the classroom and pull them. Mm. You know, so it's like... I don't really want to be you know and the kids call other kids emo, mm-hmm. and I you know, I ain't really with that. I, I want to talk to somebody, but I don't want to be you know on blast like that, you know,
0: yeah, I get it, especially if everybody's looking to see who's coming in and out yeah. of the door. but I know that there are some other people that that can talk to you that's not in your school that we can get in contact with that offer either services free or on a sliding scale.
1: Yeah, so, you know, Mr. Davis, Mr. Davis is cool, and he was talking about some type of mentoring or something like that. You know, I thought about it, but I was like, yeah, I don't really want to put nothing else on your plate. I know we live right in the corner from the school, you know, but I don't want you to be worried about me walking up there or nothing like that because of the neighborhood. So, yeah, my, I thank you for talking to me. You know, I'm glad that we could talk about it. Um uh, You know, I still don't – it didn't change the way I feel for real, but – like, I'm just glad, you know, I got somebody I could talk to you, talk to about it.
0: Yeah, and what I'll do, I'll go up to the school tomorrow. I know you mentioned that Mr. Ma, Davis has. please don't go up
1: well, to the school, Well, you want the mentoring Ma. program, right? I do, my. I'll get the paper. Listen, please don't come up to the school, Why Ma. not? Because... I'm just going to talk to
0: Mr. Davis about the program. It's not about what we just talked about. It's about Ma, the program to see how you can get into all it. All of my
1: friends be trying to talk about they want to holler at you, Ma. <laughs> no, okay. insane, <laughs> All right. All right, but that happens on the real—that happens for real, everybody. Listen, uh, but, like, so let's reflect. Um, and some of that does happen. Some, A lot of it uh, is real. So uh, some situations may be exaggerated. Some situations may play out like that. But what I loved about what you did was you never criticized how I said that I felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you looked for ways to support me. Um, you were willing to hear Uh, You were silent as long as I, you know, wanted to talk, Mm -hmm. uh, but you were attentive to the fact like, okay, I validate that this is what you're feeling right now. And so I'm going to allow you to be in that space, but I'm also going to try to walk you to a healthier space or resource, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know you threw it in there, but it's a real deal. If you need assistance and you may think that finances uh, won't allow you to do so, you can receive those on a sliding scale.
0: Yeah, um, Detroit Wayne Integrated Health Network is, okay. is, is like one of the leading providers of mental health services here in the Detroit area. Um, Oakland County Family Services, if you're in Oakland County, like every county has a mental health authority. But then there is also other mental health organizations that provide the same support. Children's Center is another example of that. Starfish Family Services is another example. CNS Healthcare is another example. And those are all located within Wayne County. Yes. So um, so there's also resources available. But one thing that I want to touch on that I thought was really good was that while he came to me to talk or, or the youth came to his mom to talk, he mentioned that he felt better in talking to her. But he still it still didn't make him not feel depressed. And so I do want to touch on that because. Even when you talk to a counselor, talk to a therapist, like it is a process. You may feel better in that moment, but full recovery takes time. Okay. So it's not that you go talk to someone and you'll feel better and you instantly will never be depressed ever again in life. Like it it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that, that we point that out too, that it's okay for you to feel that way. It's okay for you to feel sad. Um, we just don't want you to stay like in that sad or depressed state for too long.
1: Oh, that's good. And so that's what I'm hearing a lot of, uh, just within on my social media, on like TV, uh, certain things, even programs. So certain programs that are designed to address, uh, when they come to schools, this is just what, this is my encouragement. This is Dean Ebron, uh, operating outside of the perspective of my role at Detroit Public Schools Community District. My personal opinion, disclaimer, period, stop. Okay. All right. Uh, when you come to schools, anybody listening, realize that some of the information that you might be sharing, uh, may be triggers, mm-hmm. you know, for some of our youth. And so, Within your presentation or prior to coming to the school, I would strongly encourage you to let the counselors know, let the deans know that this awareness may provoke certain responses where people need to be available to have conversations subsequent, the actual presentation. Right.
0: And I'm happy you touched on that because when we do our workshops in the schools, we always ask, has someone ever come to talk to you about mental health? And so we usually get maybe three or four who have had some previous type of interaction with mental health, whether in the school environment or outside of the school environment where someone has come to talk to them. And so I always say, well, how did it make you feel? And I have yet to to meet a youth that says, that that hasn't said it made them sad. And it's interesting because this material shouldn't make someone sad per se. Okay. The way we present the information, it's very interactive, self-guided, with some self-discovery. Um the information is presented in a way where I mean it's it's a heavy topic already. Right. You don't want to Belabored a topic and presenting it in a way that it makes people sad or, or question themselves. But also in addition to that, to that, at the end of each session, we also give them a resource card. So the resource card has, um, some local, some local numbers on it, um, as well as the national numbers on it. Okay. And, um, on that resource card, we pass it out to them either in a card form or in a magnet form. Mm-hmm. But we also has, have information on there that both the youth can use as well as their parents. Okay. So that it can impact the whole household and not just the youth. But also stressing the importance of If you don't feel comfortable talking to your school counselor, the school social worker, um, your principal, your teacher, your pastor, then there also are other people for you to talk to. And that's just like the 800 numbers, either through Detroit Lane um, Integrated Health Network or through um, um, the suicide prevention hotline number or the crisis text line number. That there are people available 24-7 that will talk to you and help you through your crisis. Another thing with that is ensuring that we're partnering with, like you said, the school social worker in many of our workshops. Ahead of the workshop, we're talking to the school social worker to see, you know, which set of students and not necessarily by name, but which grade or which set of students have you experienced the most need from. Okay, because when we have those students, we may go a little bit deeper into some of the coping mechanisms, a little bit deeper into into some of the care that we put into the workshops. And our workshops are presented from a trauma informed perspective. That's great. And in knowing that, you know, people who are in this workshop may have experienced some of this stuff or may have experienced this stuff now. And you need to be cognizant of that in the way you're presenting the information. We have workshops where. At the end of the workshop, each workshop, the students fill out a survey and it's an anonymous survey. but we have had students self disclose on that, that they are currently struggling and they leave their name because they want the help. And so we share that with the social worker and also provide them additional services. We also have had workshops where after the workshop was over, the youth have come up to us and just thanked us for the workshop because they had been struggling with something and, and really didn't know how to deal with it and really didn't know how to cope. So really using those those sources and using those mechanisms that we've taught them in the moment to overcome some of the challenges that they may not have been comfortable sharing with their parents or even sharing with their their school social worker at that moment.
1: And I think that's brave of them. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about like people sharing these things, uh, could you imagine somebody walking up to you? And I know this might seem like a funny analogy, but somebody just coming up and say, what's your credit score? Right. (laughs) And, And in that moment, you telling them your credit score. I mean, they can't take your 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 numbers and go, well, maybe they could. I don't know. But they you know, they couldn't take those numbers and go do anything. But you would be – most people would be afraid to share their credit score because that may either improve someone's perspective of you, Mm -hmm. but for most of the people, that would – begin to change their perspective in a negative way. Oh, that's your, you know, Mm -hmm. or someone who has had those challenges will say, oh, yeah, I understand, you know, you're in the process of building. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this is to really open up the scope of what people think. Like if you would have a challenge telling someone right now what your credit score is, think about how challenging it is for a youth to express what they're feeling inside, if they think it's countercultural, if or if they feel like, hey, no, I just need to pray it away, mm-hmm. or if they feel like, not, and prayer has its place, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it is a part of the solution, mm-hmm. you know, but we have to make sure, like, think about, and that was the the uh, analogy that came to me sitting here is if people would have a challenge talking about their credit score, how much more would someone potentially have a challenge talking about their mental health?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a. Really good analogy. One thing that we do to try to overcome that challenge is, you know, we really in in the time frame that we're with the youth, we help them or, or we build a relationship with them as much as we can. We come, we're very personable. We're in t-shirts and jeans, typically. We're not. We 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 try to approach it as we understand and we could help, not from maybe what they may have in their mind, an idea of what. A mental health professional is or a mental health professional looks like
1: right and i noticed that uh you got some amazing blue going <laughs> on here with your your t-shirt and your Go blazer blue. yeah so uh shout out to all of the u of m alum <laughs> you, you have one of your very own sitting here today on the drawing board <laughs> podcast and and uh as we think about um like my thing is for youth is opening up the possibilities, like exhausting the possibilities of what they can do and become and learning like specifically what it is that you need to function properly. Mm -hmm. Like being able to be bold enough in any relationship that you are a part of to say, Hey, this is what I need. Uh, even demanding that of yourself, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, in order for me to be healthy, like this is what I need. Uh, I don't like being in traffic, especially like I like moving. Mm -hmm. And so If I know that I need to move, then I either A, need to take the street or B, I need to leave earlier, right? Right. But structuring my life around specifically what it is that I need.
0: Yep. What is it, what it, what it is that they need, but also what it is that works for them. So you have a lot of coping mechanisms that you can do. You can journal, you can exercise, you could go talk to a friend. Maybe you like talking on the phone or or texting. You can go text. You can listen to music. You can do yoga. You can do breathing exercises. You can read a book. Like there's, you can take a walk. There's so many things that you can do to help you cope and for your self-care. But just because that's a list of 10, that doesn't mean that it's going to work for everyone. So it's important as you're figuring out like, like what works for you, and what you need, like it's important to figure out what works for you in your coping and in your self care that will help you kind of restore like your balance.
1: Okay. So have you written your book yet? <laughs> so actually, yes,
0: I have a workbook. So it is a self guided self care workbook okay. that that I have been working on, but looking to more so incorporate it into the workshops first um, with our youth and then expanded it out further. So. I do have that. Yes.
1: Excellent. So here I want to give you a book, you know, that goes with your workbook okay. or something totally separate. Here's the title, right? It's going to be called List of 10 cuz that's what I you just said, right? <laughs> All right. And so List of 10 means kind of like how you say like the format but List of 10 personalizing Oh, hold on, wait a minute. Here we go. Personalizing. Where is that? Uh your mental health something. We got to finish that title, okay. right? But okay. being able to say that what you may need may not be like you just mm-hmm. said in that list of ten, but when you go f- to a lot of doctors or whatever, they generally defer to the list, yeah. right? Yep. So yep. let me see. Huh. Yep. What do you got going on? Uh, we got a little bit of disrespect. We have uh, not listening. Uh, the child is oppositional defiant. You know, uh, <laughs> yes. they're ODD. Yeah. Yep. Um, let me see. What do you got? Are you serving them? Are you drinking any red Kool-Aid? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got that. Uh, Yellow five. Not sitting in chair. Oh, the child's ADHD, right? Yep. And so um, at your schools, for those that are listening, um, whether you're at a charter school, because charter schools generally have their MTSS or multi-tier systems of support so that we're not, over diagnosing children, particularly African American children, specifically African American young men. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that they're not being overdiagnosed. And I know it's intimidating when I, when you come in, or it could be intimidating. Let me frame it that way. And somebody's saying, hey, you got all these people at the table, and they're like, oh, yes, this is our MTSS meeting. We're looking over his FBA so that we can, you know, uh, begin to have a conversation about possibly formulating his IEP. And, you know, then you're mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. Hold on. What does this mean? And most people won't stop the conversation to ask the question, but I always want to encourage you. They are talking about your child. So no matter whether you have formal education or you know about it, one thing I can tell you is that you carried that baby or you produced that baby and that makes you an expert. All right. And I know a lot of people would argue with me about that. But listen, put your gloves on. Let's fight. All right. (laughs) That parent should be informed. That parent should be walked through the process that parent should be given the grace that's needed so that they walk away with a healthy understanding that everybody at the table, if this is your motive, is there to help mm-hmm. them. So now here's what I would like for you to share. Um, a lot of parents may not know what to be looking for, right? Or they may have not gone through the process of getting the help that they need. So when they see some of the same behavior uh, displayed in, in their children, I hear this a lot. Oh yeah, I was like that too mm-hmm. at their age and I came out. This is what they say. I came out just fine. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Right? Yep. And yep. so,
1: like, what are some indicators, some identifiers, some behaviors, actions that parents could potentially be looking for uh that may say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe I should give my child some extra resources or get some education about this."
0: Yeah, so some of the top Mental health disorders in youth are depression and anxiety disorders. Those are like two of the top ones. Okay. And so when we think about depression and anxiety disorders, some of the symptoms of both of those look similar. Um, but you know your child's norm, right? So you know how much they eat on a regular basis. You know how much they sleep on a regular basis. You know how often they are in the room, not interacting with their siblings. If their siblings in a house or, in their room, not interacting with you or not interacting on their phone. So paying attention to those things that may be different. So maybe they're eating less or eating more, sleeping less or sleeping more, wanting to be by themselves all the time, maybe not participating in tasks that previously brought them joy. Um, maybe you see them being overly sad all the time, or maybe you see them on the other side being, having like extreme happiness um, all the time. So it's it's, Different signs that may be there, um, when your child is acting outside of the norm. And it's typically a combination of the signs. It just isn't, oh, they're not sleeping at night. That means that they may be depressed. It, it, it may not necessarily be that one thing, but it could be the combination of them not sleeping at night and now they're overeating or, um, the, not wanting to play with their siblings and then they're always awake now. So it, it could be a combination of different things. So just knowing your child's normal behavior and looking for when your child starts to act different and different over a time frame. Usually it's about a two week time frame okay. that they may act different because the thing is like people are quick to say, oh, I'm depressed or I have anxiety, but it's a difference, difference between like being like depressed or, or feeling anxious versus being clinically diagnosed as clinically depressed. So it's it's a difference between that because in life we all have our ups and downs. Like every day isn't going to be perfect. So you're going to feel emotions on a day-to-day basis based on what's going on that may make you sad, right. it may make you happy, but that may not mean that there is an issue just because those things happen one or two times.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that because people will – uh, go down that road and they do so uninformed. And some of the most challenges that I've had when working with community is people who self-diagnose, mm-hmm. you know. And w- what's interesting is it's just like when you have a hangnail, I'm going to use something very trivial. And all of a sudden you go to Google and you're looking up hangnail symptoms, you know. It's like, oh, my goodness, now my pinky is going to fall <laughs> off because the hangnail has gone to the middle of my knuckle. And, uh, yeah, mine is a little—oh, wait a minute. Let me see. And so um, the counsel in your own head uh, won't be able to rectify the situation. Yeah, You need someone with an objective viewpoint uh, to be able to see the total picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what I found is that when people try to diagnose their sadness in the midst of their sadness, it magnifies the, oh, yeah. the sadness, right? Oh, yeah. Or when people try to, uh if it's they, them feeling stressful or anxious or uh, certain things trigger some level of anxiety or stress uh, and they don't have a coping technique like mm-hmm. breathing or something, then they'll become more anxious. Mm-hmm. So I was at a, a workshop today and here's what this young man did, which I thought was so excellent, mm-hmm. is that he felt himself having an anxiety attack, okay, because there was a lot of people in the room. And what he did was he got up calmly. He walked over to one of the facilitators and said, hey, listen, I'm having an anxiety attack. I need you to get my counselor from the other workshop so that I can speak to her and calm down. Wow. And so him being wow. able. To, yeah.
0: he, he said that. like, yeah. like so, And that takes a whole different level of boldness. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. That yeah. is amazing.
1: And you could see the fluster. But I can tell that the counselor, it, it was great work. Mm-hmm. I can tell that the counselor had been working on self-regulating, identifying those triggers, mm-hmm. taking that bell curve, going up, you know, mm-hmm. like doing that whole thing and uh, with that process. And I think that that's what it takes. Like it—it it is not one of those things that is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does have its challenges. But if you begin the process, you know. I think that that's where that's where we are. Mm -hmm. So here's here's Oh, go ahead. I
0: was going to say, and also the way the initial counselor acted when when your student came to him and said, hey, I'm in distress. Can you go get help from this other person? That initial response was a huge positive impactor to that whole situation. So just imagine if that counselor would have gotten flustered and and gotten animated and, and just wouldn't been able to handle his own emotions in that moment how worse that could have been for that student. That could have pushed that student into a full, a full blown panic attack, a full blown um, onset of this anxiety disorder. So, so I give kudos to the counselor, the initial counselor as well.
1: And here's one thing: is like recognizing that the student didn't ask for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and sometimes, yep. and sometimes. <laughs> Uh, counselors, I love you, but sometimes because you want to fix things yeah. and you want to be part of the solution and you feel like, I can help you. Mm-hmm. But if he didn't ask for you, you know, your goal is to get him to who yep. who he asked for. Yep. And I have seen so many people take things personal that way because and it it's with a good heart. Mm-hmm. You know, the intent is pure, but it's one of those things like, no, <laughs> I didn't ask for you. I want baked ziti, you cook spaghetti, you know <laughs> right and uh and all these little analogies come to me, but here's something that I have a question about because that of a lot a lot of high schools uh and even in some middle schools uh you have uh young people who have now these co-occurring issues mm-hmm. of substance abuse and mental health mm-hmm. like how, what are some strategies that can be used like what can we do uh for some of our young people who are now? Uh, self-medicating uh through marijuana or popping pills or drinking lean like what what can we do
0: yeah and and what i've seen at least from a community perspective is a bigger focus on drug use in in high school and in middle school and with youth and just is more so educating them but also i mean we really need to get down to the root causes of why this youth is in um Feeling this way to where they need to self-medicate themselves. So, so what's what's triggering them to want to use the marijuana? Like, are they dealing with? a mental health disorder where they don't know that they have one. So they're using this medicine to, or or the marijuana or other drugs to ease the pain and make the pain go away. Are they talking to someone about it? So really getting down to the root cause of what's causing them and what's triggering them to want to use drugs, um, but also ensuring that we're providing them with solutions for that. So do they have a counselor that they're talking to? Do they have a counselor that they feel comfortable talking to? Another big thing that we do in our workshops, we always pinpoint um or we always ask, like, is anyone heard of a psychiatrist, heard of a therapist, all that type of stuff. And and sometimes our youth will self-disclose that, oh, I've talked to a therapist and it was the worst thing ever. So asking them those questions of why it was the worst thing ever for them. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, it's just a personality fit, which I always go to explain to them, like, You won't gel with everyone. You won't gel with all of your friends or people who you may want to be your friend. Like like picking a therapist and picking a psychologist and a psychiatrist is the same as picking a friend. Like there are people you will gel with, people you won't gel with, but you continue picking friends and you continue picking people that you're close with until you find your right group. So I have them or I tell them to approach therapy and approach Talking with someone in that same way. I mean, you you keep going until you find someone that you you jail with.
1: Yeah, that's good. So you were talking earlier about trauma informed youth practices Mm -hmm. and how that is a major component. Sometimes when we're talking about I did we brought it up in identifying triggers, Mm -hmm. but how you with Caleb's kids, how you your presentation, your delivery of information Mm -hmm. is considering uh, and using those different methods of trauma informed youth practices. Like break that down for us. What does that mean? Cause that's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Trauma informed youth practices. What is that?
0: Yeah. So when we look at trauma informed practices, we're approaching our workshops and approaching our interactions with youth, with youth from the understand, from the understanding and standpoint that some of our youth may have had some type of trauma in the past. And we need to ensure that we're not doing anything that triggers that trauma. Release or triggers a response of that trauma, and and brings out some of those things that may they may not be able to to discuss and work through. But if, for instance, if something happens that we have the proper staff right there to be able to address that with that youth and be able to give them help. When we start our, our workshops, we always share with the youth who's in the room, who can help them. Right. And we typically have someone in the room who, hey, if you if any of this is triggering for you, if you feel like you need to talk to someone or feel like you just need to get some air, go see this person and they will walk outside with you. So we always make sure that we have that avenue, that if the information begins to be too heavy or if the information begins to trigger something that they do have an outlet and they don't have to sit there and and dwell in whatever is triggering them.
1: Right. I just got your second article. It's called <laughs> get some air. Get okay. some air. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hope somebody is
0: writing this yeah, down. Write this
1: down. So, uh, <laughs> So let's talk about that. I want to be explicit so that the audience can know, like, when working with youth, what like break down what is trauma. Like, what is trauma?
0: Yeah, trauma can be a number of things. So when I think about youth in like urban populations or or youth in inner city, trauma may look different from youth in a different population. Okay. So it could be PTSD because you just saw someone get shot the night before, or you heard someone get shot, or you saw activity going on at an abandoned house on the way to work. It could be trauma within your household. It could be trauma that you've experienced with your friends. Um, it could be trauma from bullying. Like trauma can look very differently um, from youth in urban environments versus youth in non-urban environments. And just the things that that we're exposed to, um, because of various like socioeconomic factors that other populations just aren't exposed to. And we have to ensure that we are addressing when we're when we're working with youth, addressing those from that lens and not just a generalization lens. So the work that we do is culturally specific and culturally, culturally relatable. Um, and it's it it just creates a sense of um, familiarity with the youth that we work with.
1: Oh, that's great. So Caleb, Caleb's Kids is culturally responsive. Yes. You got the trauma-informed practices going on. Yes. Uh, you have the competency as it relates to uh, getting everyone to a great mental health space, just acknowledging that it's a lifestyle. Yes. And you are providing these resources to schools, to children in grades 6 through 12, to parents. You're providing parent education. You're in the community supporting and doing all these different things. That's great. So what's your next event? What do you have coming up next?
0: Next, so um, we are at the Samaritan Center Halloween. So Halloween is Thursday. I almost said tomorrow. So Halloween we are at the Samaritan Center for a trunk or treat but it's indoor. So indoor trunk or treat and we'll be passing out um, some snacks and treats along with resources to like the parents and youth that will be coming there um, but this upcoming Sunday we are having our third annual bowling fundraiser which is a little bit of fun all right so we will be at plum hollow on Sunday from two to four so if anyone is listening and want to come by and see us definitely come bowl there'll be raffles there'll be prizes a lot of fun I even get on the mic a little bit I'm not gonna sing or rap or nothing because I no cannot. we
1: have to hear her <laughs> sing go ahead we're gonna end this show tonight with her singing all right
0: That is not going to happen. It is
1: okay. We're talking about trauma-informed practices just in case it is traumatic. No, I'm sure she has a good voice, but we're going to see tonight, okay? It's going to happen, people, on the drawing board tonight. All right, but at Plum Hollow, 2 to 4 p.m., Caleb's Mm -hmm. kids will be there bowling and uh, preparing. It's it's a fundraiser? Yep,
0: it's a fundraiser. Okay. Okay. And then our next big event um where we'll be um, conducting workshops and and it'll be other information there for both adults and youth is on November the 16th at Second Ebenezer, Ebenezer Church from 10 until 4. There's just a mental health symposium there. So there will be a bunch of speakers there as well as a bunch of workshops. It's free. It's non-denominational. So I know while it's at a church, people may think, oh, I don't want to go into the church. But no, come on, like. We're we're not having church service or anything like that. We're literally talking about mental health. There will be a lot of resources available, a lot of tables with um, other organizations that provide mental health resources. And then again, there'll be breakout sessions and workshops with youth um by themselves as well as breakout sessions and workshops with adults by themselves as well. And there also will be breakfast and lunch there also.
1: Okay, cool. So now I'm going to just I've randomly had this thought. and So I'm going to start it with you as we go from October to November, because uh, when we come back to the drawing board, it'll be November and we'll start a whole new series. So now I'm going to give you the guests. We have about five minutes left. Are there any questions that you would like to ask me? Let's see.
0: Yeah. So. One, I appreciate you bringing me, bringing me on the show today. Mental health is so important to me and it's important that we continue to talk about it and we continue to educate as many people as we can about it and we continue, continue to do the work that's gonna change the stigma around it and change what the face of mental health looks like. I always say if I have to be the poster child for mental health, then I will be the poster child for mental health because We have to do something just to educate people about mental health, about mental health disorders, about mental illness, about coping, resilience, all that stuff. Right. So I appreciate you giving me the platform for this. But why was it important for you to have this type of topic on here as you look at your your topic for this month of like life skills and things of that nature?
1: Well, I think that we must address it because it exists within every family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the more information and I'm real big about competency being mixed with passion. And when I came across your page, I felt that, you know, uh, passion is something that is contagious. Like I, I can feel that uh, even before knowing the backstory, knowing like I knew that you had a core read, like you live, breathe. This is what you do. Right. Yeah. And so I love interacting with what I call high performance professionals who are the best at what they do and they have an attitude of whatever it takes, right? And so for me, the face of mental health is a mosaic face. Mm-hmm. It is comprised and composed no matter uh, what your race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, the work that I've done, you know, as a social worker, as an educator, as a minister. I've seen uh, the mosaic face mm-hmm. of what mental health looks like. And what uh, I love is when you are... But yours was specific to youth, and I was like, man, this is right up my alley. So I just wanted to give vent um, to, uh, you know, the proactive way that we can best serve our community. And I am so grateful that you agreed to come onto the show because I felt that's what happened here. And Mm -hmm. I think that when people hear the information and we even had a chance to role play uh, (laughs) and, you know, have that conversation because— There's so much of life that goes silenced because we're afraid to have a discussion. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So I had no idea what to truly and really expect, which actually is up my alley, too, because I'm like, yo, this is just going to be great. Let's sit down. Very
0: conversational. Yeah.
1: And um, it's important to me because I've had friends who their brother, you know, successfully committed suicide and we stood with them. And we were by their side and I'm serving youth uh who come and feel free to express to me that Mr. Ebron, I'm having these ideations, these thoughts, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with them. While I can acknowledge this is not what I want to do, I have to be bold enough to share with you that I had this thought, mm-hmm. you know, and then helping them navigate a positive pathway uh to, you know, positive mental health. Mm-hmm. And having done that, like, I feel like you have to lower uh your judgment uh so that people can feel free to live around you.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, yeah. I think that's powerful. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting and I'll be quick. I know we're No, running. you're good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um it's interesting because until someone is personally impacted by a mental health disorder, it's almost invisible. So we are seeing increased awareness around it now because people are now Starting to see like, no, it's happening in our everyday lives and it's touching, like you said, every family.
1: Absolutely. So listen, this is the drawing board podcast. And we have been blessed tonight by Miss Keisha Jackson with Caleb's Kids, the founder, executive director of Caleb's Kids. You've heard where you can find her. Uh, You've heard the different events that she'll be at. And I simply put it like this every single week. Your future is not behind you. It is not before you. It is within you. And it is just a matter of time. The only thing separating you from your dream is a word that begins with the E, and that's effort. So God bless you tonight. And please make sure you put this on replay. Share it on every single social media platform you have. Peace and favor to you. Later.